British Prime Minister was responsible for turning a handbag into a verb. And why is this important today? This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a not quite so unseasonably warm England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me cause you to choke on your cinnamon and raisin bagels, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Good morning, all you wonderful Crusaders who've made it into the chat room. Uh, Jacqueline, Ross, um, Sresnik, Sresnik, am I saying your name right? Well done for getting up early. Do you know something, you know, kudos to all you who do it. Getting up early is great. There's so many possibilities, like you get to listen to the early show for a start. Now, that's a good reason to get up early, isn't it? And I have been asked to remind everyone that there's this wonderful button called the donate button. And thank you, Denise. You are wonderful making a donation yesterday. I think you are the first person of the week to make a donation. So thank you so much. Now, follow in the footsteps of Denise. Thanks very much. Also asked to remind you, I was talking about this yesterday, but on Thursday, Joe Clovis and his group, I Hope London, are gathering outside the IPPF headquarters in London to pray the rosary. Obviously, you can't get to London, you can't get to the IPPF HQ in person, but you can in prayer. Prayer is universal, so please consider joining Joe and his group saying a decade of the rosary. But yes, which British Prime Minister... Which British Prime Minister was responsible for making the word handbag into a verb? To handbag something. Let's face it, there's only really one British Prime Minister it could be. Anyone like to make a little guess in the chat room? The reason this is important is today, believe it or not, is National Handbag Day. That is actually a thing. It is Handbag Day. Now, handbags are associated with ladies as the ultimate fashion accessory, but originally the term referred to bags that men used to carry around. And they are used all the time in everyday life. They're very practical, but they can also be huge fashion statements. So to celebrate, you're supposed to go out and get that high-end handbag you've been eyeing the whole year. Or gentlemen, have you considered buying your wife one of those high-end handbags that she's been talking about all year? Or is there something you need to do with your handbag? Is your handbag the sort of place where things go to get lost? Perhaps today is the time to clean it out and organise it. I'm not a handbag person. I'm not a fashion fashion accessories person at all. Um, So my handbag is this cavernous Mary Poppins style bag where receipts and combs and coins disappear. But I think probably if I opened it on a good day, a hat stand would come out. So I should probably use the day to clean up my one handbag. But Margaret Thatcher... Margaret Thatcher was famous for her handbag. She was never seen without it. And someone, in fact, she did not coin the expression, but someone said of her that she couldn't see an institution without taking her handbag to it. Hence the term to handbag. And by an interesting coincidence, on this day in 1997, Margaret Thatcher was accused of giving British Airways a handbagging when she was at the 
Tory party conference and she went up to the British Airways stand where they were demonstrating they had model aircrafts demonstrating their hideous new logos really hideous logos which didn't last in fact because they were just too weird and she found them so revolting she put a white handkerchief over them so that she wouldn't have to look at them that was probably the death knell for that particular artist um Maggie's saying most women with children have that kind of handbag. Uh, Denise, I'm saying, yeah, my handbag is a diaper bag. Well, this is what I found was for ages I did have this huge capacious handbag, which was really a nappy bag, as we call it here. It, it was just full of things for babies, yes. Nappies, muslins, uh, creams, bottles, tissues, baby wipes, endless packets of baby wipes. Remember those? You know, you name it, whatever my children needed was in the handbag. And as a, a sort of celebration of no longer, I don't know, it's a celebration, a, a, a consolation prize for no longer having babies or baby age, my mother did give me a very nice retro handbag, pink retro handbag, a couple of Christmases ago, which is just for me, it was just stylish. It didn't have to be massive. It just has to be able to hold my purse and my glasses and my um, and my phone and nothing else. So it's it's a wonderful liberation, really. So, ladies, do you own handbags, gentlemen? Where do you put things you need? I'm always curious about this since it's not really um, de rigueur for men to go around with a, a pink handbag. Where do you put your wallet and your keys and things? Can you really fit them all in your pockets? Does that really happen? Just wondering. On a more serious note, it is not just handbag day, though I'm curious. I'd be curious to see some... Um... <laughs> Don't start saying, why are you discussing old hags? I mean, handbags, yeah. Touché. I'd love to see some pictures of your handbags in the chat room, ladies. Come on now. Um, I think it would. I think it would be a, a really great way. We could maybe a handbag auction is in order. Maybe we should, we should have a handbag, a handbag raffle to raise money for the Crusade Channel. It is also today Ada Lovelace Day. Now this is a, a really important one, in fact, because this lady was the world's first computer programmer. So the day not only commemorates the lives of women in the field of science, technology, engineering and maths, STEM, but also encourages girls and young women to enter careers in these fields. This is really important. Um, it started in 2009 after an extensive online campaign in the UK. 2,000 people blogged about women in science. And uh, this then became Ada Lovelace Day. Um, there is apparently no fixed date for this. Just happens to be the this happens to be the day it's celebrated in the U.S. Ada Lovelace was an English mathematician who worked with Charles Babbage on his calculating engine called the analytical engine. Her plan to calculate. Um, all right, this is okay. Sorry, I'm just stumbling over the words. Uh, I don't even know how you say that particular equation. Anyway. It's considered to be the first, the world's first computer program that she created. Therefore, she's the world's first computer programmer. Um, so in the US, uh, in 1980, the Department of Defense created a programming language and named it Ada in order of, in honor of Ada Lovelace. So how to celebrate? Honor the women in your life who are in STEM fields. Encourage the young girls in your life to pursue one of the STEM fields as a career. 
buy the young girls in your life science kits, building games and books that make them interested in science and read more about women scientists and their contribution to the world. I don't have to encourage my daughter to be interested in maths and science. She's obsessed with maths and science and has all sorts of books called things like Horrible Science and that. The problem is you can't actually buy a child a chemistry set anymore, not a really interesting one, not with anything in it that is worth using to make experiments. We tried to buy the children a chemistry set years ago because my husband is a biochemist and he was very keen on encouraging science among all his children, male and female. Um, and, and he just he went to shop after shop and they just said, look, sir, if your child is actually interested in science, there is nothing we can sell that is going to simulate their interest any further because there are so many limitations on what you're allowed to sell today that they're just quite boring, really. Um, so I think we should I think we should encourage we should encourage children generally in science. And probably the way to do that is to just go easy just a little bit on some of the health and safety. I don't really feel that my daughter was especially inspired having to watch an ice cube melt, literally to time how long an ice cube melted. Uh, Denise M, when I finally start carrying my handbag again, I'm going to be surprised at finding things I've completely forgotten about. Well, indeed. I mean, I tell you what, if um, someone stole my handbag, they'd be so disappointed. It was literally full of bits of paper. Um, Dr. Torres, it's National Angel Food Cake Day. I've always been more of a devil's food cake. No idea what either of those look like. Perhaps someone could do me a favour and put some little pictures in the chat room. That would be just wonderful. Jacqueline, what about encouraging girls to be good wives and mothers? If they're interested in science, they will pursue that all by themselves. Well, I think so. But I, I think the problem is, Jacqueline, that um, and I'm sure it's different in your school because it seems to me you, you teach at an excellent school. But there is a lingering prejudice when it comes to girls taking an interest in maths and science. Um, there's already a bit of a prejudice generally if children, boys or girls, are really fascinated by maths and science. It's always, oh, they're a nerd or a geek. You know, it's it, it's funny how that's it's okay to say things like that about those subjects. It's particularly the case for girls. So, um, Dr. Torres is saying, oh, no, Jacqueline's saying, I chose science classes because I was interested in it. I didn't need encouragement. Um Dr. Torres, enough of this focus on girls in this and girls in that. We focus so much on girls, and now the boys are falling behind generally. So females are still outnumbered in the STEM fields, but females outnumber males in college by a ratio of three to two. I found that to be... The, oh, hang on. What is this Is this a devil's food cake? This is angel food cake, Maggie. Oh, thank you. You put that into the chat room in the nick of time. One thing I, I feel I need to say, in fact, about... Uh, men and women in science. I mean, my husband worked in science for years and you know, men and women work together very much as equals. It tended to be at school that there was a bit more of a, you know, oh, why, why is she such a nerd? Why is she, why is she so fascinated by, by physics? There has to be some kind of nefarious reason. Um, you know, being being interested in anything for a child, male or female, can be quite difficult in school because of the, the sort of the need to not not seem too enthusiastic about stuff. But what we really notice, yes, university level, men and women working together harmoniously. And it really, uh, I mean, my husband's lab was about 50-50, I think. Now, 
Some years ago, there was a huge and completely unfair uproar in biochemistry because there's a professor called Professor Timothy Hunt, Tim Hunt, very famous scientist. And let me tell you a little bit about this man, just to make clear just how awful what happened to him actually was. Um, Tim Hunt, yes, he's um, 80 years old. He's a molecular physiologist. He's a Nobel Prize winner. He won a Nobel Prize in 2001 in physiology or medicine. And it was for a very, very important discovery. Now, he's had a glittering, I mean, just to give you some idea of his awards, he's an EMBO member, he's got the um, uh, Royal Medal, he's, a, he's got a knighthood, um, he's worked at the top, in you know, the, the top scientific institutes here Institute. He's been. Uh, he's worked in Cambridge, Imperial Cancer Research. You name it. Right. Some years ago, he was giving a seminar and he made a silly joke. It's always a bit more difficult uh, when you're you're supervising a, a girl's PhD thesis because you know they cry and things when it goes wrong. As a result of this, he ended up on the receiving end of a hate campaign hate campaign so horrific he had to resign from a number of posts he had to completely retire from public life and at one point was seriously discussing moving abroad because Tim was just so appalling he made a silly joke what none of those haters even suspected apparently is that Tim Hunt did so much I mean he has done so much to inspire several generations now of young scientists, including many, many women, on the basis of one not particularly good joke, he came with an losing everything. It was absolutely horrific. I just I feel I need to say that just because if we're talking about women in science, we also need to talk about the women who the, the men who inspire women as well and who have helped to level those parts. We were talking yesterday about this uh, tennis player who made an advert about how girls don't need men to help them and rescue them. And it was pointed out that all her coaches, her four coaches are male and her father is her manager and probably the walking ATM that paid for it all. Um, you know, we've got to be careful about falling into that trap. You know, we, we are dependent upon one another. And Tim Hunt did so much so much in this field, not just as a researcher, an incredible researcher, but as a teacher. What happened to him was really shameful. He was owed an apology. I think the I think the entire nation needed to apologize to Tim Hunt. Um, oh, the King Dude is telling oh, Angel Food Cake. Angel Food Cake, Angel Cake. It's a type of sponge cake made with egg whites, flour and sugar. Aha, uh -huh, okay, a whipping agent such as cream of tartar is com commonly added. It differs from other cakes because it uses no butter. Its aerated texture comes from whipped egg white. That sounds really delicious. Except possibly the cre cream of tartar, but I guess you wouldn't taste it. Um, the King Dude saying, Babbage's analytical engine was created by a dude named Charles Babbage. I've just mentioned Charles Babbage. It got so big he had to move it into an empty warehouse to try and finish it. Yeah. Um, King Dude 
saying uh, Ada did write a program for Babbit and it actually worked. It wasn't either one of them that, to make the discovery that would launch computing. It was George Boole who created a programming language and formula, Boolean, that produces a true or false answer to any mathematical problem fed it. Okay, I read, I read computer nerd books in the 80s. Can you tell? Definitely. Uh, we can definitely tell. Thank you. Um, one of the difficulties, though, with the history of computing is that um, the world's first computer, the Colossus, was classified for years, so it couldn't be patented. Um, so, in fact, the the real history of computing is quite different to the established history of computing because um, the Colossus was at Bletchley Park. It was used um, in code breaking. That's why it was just a little, a little bit of trivia there. It was... Um, because it was using code breaking, it was classified. There we go. It's 26 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. The Early Show is a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. And we are talking about this lovely donate button on the chat room that you can press. And thank you, Denise, for doing so yesterday. And I'm sure somebody else would like to to follow in Denise's footsteps. Uh, we've also been talking about handbag day. Margaret Thatcher coined the verb to handbag because she was, at, at times she was actually known as the great handbag. Um, so I'm curious to know how many of you ladies do carry handbags these days. It's also Ada Lovelace Day, celebrating women in science and STEM subjects. I'm just thinking in terms of ratios, because my daughter is a, math, a mathematician and very interested in chemistry and a chess player, what she says about, say, areas that are regarded as traditionally male but which haven't been for quite a long time, like chess, for example, she says that in her club, I'm just slowing down just to make sure I get this right, the ratio male to female is more or less 50-50, it's more or less equal. But she did say that the boys tend to mess around a lot more. They don't tend to focus as much. So I wonder whether that whole don't be a nerd stereotype is actually starting to flip flip over the other way. Boys are more worried about being nerds now than girls. Just, just, a, just a question, not sure. Um, Dr. Torres, there are many STEM areas that don't require a bachelor's degree, and these would be careers open to those not necessarily ready for higher level academics, septic tank installers, machinists, welders, veterinary assistant, pharmacy technician, graphic designer, and so on. On average, people who go into these STEM areas earn more than 30% higher wages than those in non-STEM fields. I did not know that, but given the fact that I never went into a STEM field, it would probably say a lot about my earnings. On a serious note... Sorry. Well, actually, I'm not sure this is even a serious note. It's just, it's so ludicrous. I, I hardly know where to start. As you know, there have been a few um, <clears throat> stories involving the police in recent months, which kind of give the impression that the police prefer haranguing Catholics for praying and autistic children for making an inopportune remark uh, than uh, catching rapists and murderers, including within their own ranks. <clears throat> well, the Surrey police, Surrey is a county down in the south of England, have excelled themselves. A 59-year-old grandma was charged, arrested, and dragged to court 
at a cost of an estimated £1,000 sterling to the taxpayer because she broke a box of eggs with intent. This actually happened. The full story, terrifying story, um, God bless the police, they are so brave. Um, police were called to calm a domestic situation. Um, uh, this 59-year-old woman and her mother, who's 89, were having a massive argument. And police were called just to try to calm things down. Neighbours probably heard them shouting. During the argument, Miss Ash threw a box of eggs on the floor. So the police said, we're going to give you a caution. And she said, I'm not accepting a caution. She couldn't accept a caution because it goes on your record. You have a criminal record if you have a caution. So she said, I'm not, having, I'm not taking a caution for dropping some eggs. So she was charged with criminal damage for damaging a box of eggs at the cost of £3 with intent. The charge added that her actions were intended to destroy or damage such property and were reckless as to whether such property would be destroyed or damaged. She said she was sorry in court. The magistrate was astonished. I mean, really astonished when this court, this court case appeared before her, uh, before him, sorry, Manny Gossel. And um, sorry, he was the, he was the counsel for the, the he was the counsel for the defence. The magistrate James Barber said these are his exact words. I'm struggling to find any criminality other than breaking a few eggs. I do that every time I make breakfast. Even the supposed victim has said this is a waste of time. Why are we in court? And Mr. Barber, the presiding magistrate throughout the case and I really think this woman could do with an apology perhaps the police could maybe go round and cook her an omelette every day for the next year or something like that to apologise or perhaps we should all be entitled to free eggs at the policeman's expense just as an apology to the taxpayer for this ridiculous waste of money um, as Philip says capturing actual criminals is hard work um, and back to the original subject of um, STEM subjects, Dr. Toro is saying it's 60-40 here in the States. Uh, boys have been told for at least half a generation that they are toxic, that they are part of an evil patriarchy. It's no wonder many underperform and are turned inwards on themselves, afraid to speak to girls and more likely to date an AI. Sheesh. Um, then he's um, saying it's part of the destruction of the image of God. Well... These are serious subjects. Please do sign into the chat room. We've got 25 chatters in the chat room. I think we can double that. This is an important subject. We need to be talking about it. We are now going to have to go to an ad break. So while you are all mulling over women in STEM, boys feeling pushed out, and whether a 59-year-old woman should have been taken to court for breaking three, three pounds worth of eggs, we will go to an ad break. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella De Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I think I need a phone call, by the way. I think someone needs to phone me 
um, maybe to say that they're making a donation, that would be just perfect. But seriously, do talk to me. Do join this conversation. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Fiorella de maria our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the crusader stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy a hearty breakfast of angel cake or even devil cake or whatever else we're supposed to be celebrating today if you have just tuned in never fear you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com and just to refresh the subject a little bit there's a lovely donate button just here in the chat room denise has kindly already pressed it why doesn't everyone do like denise be more like denise there we are press the donate button um there we are you can see i was never meant to go into marketing we have been talking in no particular order about national handbag day do you own a handbag is your handbag a mess does it need a clear out is your handbag just a glorified baby bag for nappies and bottles and baby wipes and all of that or is it a fashion accessory a statement about how stylish you are it is also ada lovelace day and this has opened a can of worms i never anticipated but then i never anticipate the things that are going to cause a nice little argument on the early show where we're supposed to encourage girls in science though there seem to be some fairly strong events coming in it is also um been reported that a 59-year-old grandma was arrested, charged and dragged before the courts here in the south of England 
because she broke a box of eggs costing £3 sterling. So at the cost of £1,000 to the British taxpayer, this woman was dragged to court. The magistrate said that uh, he breaks eggs every day making his breakfast. He was really struggling to see any criminality in the whole situation and threw the case out. Really embarrassing, but as has been pointed out already in the chat room, catching real criminals is ever such hard work and sometimes you get hurt. And we don't we don't want the poor old bobbies to get to get, you know, um, a, a bit a bit upset you know, in the course of action. It's, it's, it's upsetting. So maybe maybe arresting grandmas for breaking eggs is, is the way forward. Um, lots of comment in the chat room about women in science. Denise um, saying I've never been interested in STEM subjects. My forte is languages, four years of Latin, three of French. And I loved English class. Denise, you are a lady after my own heart. I was never a scientist at all. Um, I loved languages. I loved history. I loved the humanities. Jacqueline, I think you have a point here um, in the, the discussion so far. I think both Fiorella and Dr. Torres have an uber exaggerated opinion. I never had any problems. No one ever said anything negative about me going after science. And there are plenty of boys who are not intimidated by girls. It's the minority on both sides that have the louder voice. And that's the problem. The ones doing the right thing are too busy to cry foul. It's the pansies and the militant feminists getting all the attention. But they're a small percentage. Maybe we should just ignore them. We are falling into their traps. Okay. Fair point. That is the teacher speaking with authority. Absolutely, Jacqueline. Um, and I, I think it's true. We have to be a little bit careful about I, I can see that you know, it's very easy to get drawn to a very well to an extreme position, I suppose. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, let's encourage all our youngsters to reach for the stars. Now, all of them won't be able to make it, but help them play to their strengths. I think we're all blessed with a gift or talent to share with others, even if that gift is just making someone smile when they're down. Amen. Dr. Torres, I completely agree. I think we I think we have reached a point of agreement. I I completely agree with you about that. Um, and one thing I had to learn as a parent is you can't encourage your child to go into a particular field. You know, I, I did music, a lot of music when I was growing up. I imagined all my children would be musicians. They have no interest in music whatsoever. They're into sport, so they do sport, and that's also fine. Um you know, I think I think that's it's quite important to point that out. Um, Denise, I'm saying abolishing the Department of Education would be a good start. Schools are currently destroying children's education. Um, well, the funny thing is, um, funny you saying that, Denise, at this particular moment, because I've just finished reading a book which I hope to review very soon, which I mostly disagreed with about all sorts of things. But in one part of the book, he puts the case for home education even though he himself was not homeschooled, his children are not homeschooled, but he puts the case for home education specifically because it offers an alternative to the non-education that he believes children are getting in schools. And he puts a very many parts of the book, which I think he puts a really good case about. A lot of the other subjects I don't think were very, um, were very convincing at all. So interesting you know he, he points out how what high achievers homeschoolers tend to be because they do get about what they learn oh this is lovely thank you ashley um what are these these are apple cider snickerdoodles they are yummy i love that word snickerdoodle i think that sounds so sweet um they look absolutely delicious king dude spend some time reading action your call to ignore the demon actors makes practical sense okay 
um, Lady Bellarmine saying we need to get rid of them. They are destroying education. Well, in fact, what this author, Dominic Frisbee, was uh, suggesting, do not be um, put off by the comical name. He's a comedian. Um, and um, I think that is, I don't think that's a nom de plume. Dominic Frisbee, um, he, he makes the case, he says that basically having a centralised education system backed by the state leads to bad education. He was putting a case for much, much more flexible approaches to education. And I completely agreed with him. It was, yes, one of the only areas I really did agree with him about that there is there's a need somehow or other to stop perpetuating an educational system which children just expected to fit into. You know, there's got to be some flexibility there so that children can pursue their own interests just a little bit more. So, wow, this is quite a this is quite a serious, a serious conversation for the morning, but important. You know, I think it's it's really important. Now, slightly lighter subjects. I need to ask your opinion, please. OK, my ice skating daughter is currently changing her programme. Now, when you're a skater, you skate to music. You've probably seen this if you've ever watched the Olympics or the World Championships or whatever. They have a beautiful piece of music and they skate along to it. And choosing the music and the right music is quite a challenge and quite a headache every time it's time to change routine. And my daughter now has to change her music. And she's been advised to go for something Spanish or Latino. I know nothing about this style of music, apart from Carmen, which everybody does. Does anyone have any suggestions, some really good Spanish or Latin style music? A song, a dance, a soundtrack that you really enjoyed, that you think would work. Genuinely curious to know. Answers in the chat room, please. Um, Dr. Torres say, we have reached an agreement on many things before. Absolutely. I tell you something. Um, that, that's what's so great about the early show, isn't it? It's, it's, what, it's what's great about the chat room. We can disagree on all sorts of things and come to an agreement. You say your bit, I say my bit. This is what grown-ups do. And then you come to some kind of common ground. Um, oh, Dr. Torres, but let's return to the subject of cheese slice on apple pie or pineapple on pizza. Good, isn't it? Just say yes. We'll get on just fine. Just say yes. No. No, 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 no. But Dr. Torres, you will be delighted to know. And I say this with, well through clenched teeth, to be quite honest, that apparently the majority of Brits like pineapple on pizza. There we are. I've said it. I was walking through the supermarket the other day. There was the newspaper stand and one of the tabloids had this really inflammatory headline, you nation of deviants. I thought, oh no, what's happened? What's happened to us all? And that was the, that was the survey, in fact, that apparently the majority of Brits poor on their pizza. I, I can't I can't bring myself to even think about it. So no, Dr. Torres. No, 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 no. We are going to have to fight that one out another day. So yes, Grandma Ash has been released from Magistrates Court without a stain on her name. And I will let you know if the police over here do get round to sort of prosecuting some real crimes at some point. Um I do hope she gets some compensation. Um moving on on the subject of elderly people being mistreated, basically. Oh, Denise is saying, I homeschooled my three kids, the youngest now 25, went on to graduate summa cum laude from college and magna cum laude from a four-year college with a double major. Now my little Jacob is being schooled at home with a focus on his special needs, which were basically ignored during the two years he attended preschool. 
That's wonderful. And this is it, isn't it? It's that the, the things that the child needs, it's, it's child-led. The focus can be on the child and their particular educational needs. I, I just think this is, and I'm sure Jacob will do very well. And at the very least, he will be happy. And let's face it, that's really very important. You know, I, one of the reasons I pulled my girls out of school is they were not happy at school. There were all sorts of reasons, the skating, the academic achievement and all of the rest. But in the end, they weren't happy. It, it's an important consideration. But yes, um, a nurse has been convicted and will face jail for drugging elderly patients to have an easy life. Preston Crown Court up in the north of England heard Catherine Hudson, 54, gave unprescribed sedatives to two patients at Blackpool Victoria Hospital between February 2017 and November 2018 to have an easy life. She was also convicted of conspiring with Charlotte Wilmot, 48, to give a sedative to a third patient. Uh, Hudson was found not guilty, guilty of ill-treating two other patients. During the trial, the court heard how Hudson told a colleague in a text that she'd sedated a patient within an inch of her life, adding, bet she's flat out for a week, ha ha. The jury was told she used different drugs, including insomnia medication, Zopiclone, which can be life-threatening if given inappropriately. Opening the case, prosecutor Michael, uh, sorry, Peter Wright, KC, I still want to say QC, KC, stated that the two nurses treated patients not with care and compassion, but with contempt. They considered them or some of them to be an imposition and irritation. The investigation began, and this is really important because it shows how important whistleblowers are, a student nurse, which was very brave of her, a student nurse witnessed what was going on while she was doing a work placement at the hospital stroke unit, and she went to the authorities. The student told police that when she raised concerns over the use of Zopiclone, Hudson told her the patient had a do not resuscitate order so she wouldn't be opened up if she died or came to any harm. Also revealed were a series of messages between the two nurses revealing exchanges describing patients and their families in the most derogatory and cruelest forms. Um, the Restrictions on prescription-only drugs at the stroke unit were so lax that staff could help themselves and self-medicate or steal drugs to supply to others. The sentence uh, for the nurse was going to be immediate custody. They're just trying to decide at the moment how long she will go to prison. The prosecutor stated that their role was to care for the patients on their ward. Instead, they conspired to ill-treat patients, sedating them for their own convenience and amusement or purely out of spite. They grossly abused their position and the trust that patients and their families put in them. Now they must face the consequences of their actions. I do hope these women go to prison for a very long time. It is such an abuse of trust and it's a reminder... It's a reminder of how vulnerable elderly people are when they get into the hospital or caring system, caring in inverted commas in this case. Um, 
Sorry. Uh, oh, oh, gosh, I can't believe pineapple on pizza is going to happen. Uh, Evan is a discussion again. Philip, I'll eat pineapple and, and ham on pizza, but it's not my favourite, and I feel wrong when I do. Um, Paul C. saying, Ashley, please bring those with you to SP, SBC so we can all enjoy them. I wish I could. They won't let me on, um, let me on the plane with them. Dr. Torres, aha, this is music possibilities. Oh, this is great. Um, Los Hermanos Rosario, um, Quinito Mendez, uh, Carlos Vives, Elvis Crespo, or the late great Celia Cruz. The Gypsy Kings is an option. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to, do you know, I'm just going to cut and paste these so that I don't forget. Thank you for the suggestions. I'm afraid it's a bit of a blank spot uh, in my knowledge, but um, I do like Spanish music, and there was. Um, when I was at school, there was a, a whole group of uh, Spanish girls and they had their own flamenco class, but it was strictly for Spanish girls only. But they, they looked wonderful. They made their own outfits. So it was beautiful. Yes, Philip, I'm sorry, but there's certain things that just do not belong on a pizza or even a pizza, if you prefer. There we go. But yes, with this case, I mean, it, it troubles me because it comes on the back of the terrible case of Lucy Letby and the neonatal, the neonatal nurse who has been given a full life sentence for killing babies in her neonatal unit. And the fact is, what, what we are seeing here is contempt for the most vulnerable at opposite ends of life, the very, very young and the very old, both of which are not in a position to protect themselves at all. In the case of a little baby, of course, they can do nothing to protect themselves. But an elderly patient, particularly a stroke, a stroke patient who may lack capacity, will just be very trusting. Bear in mind that that generation are likely to trust nurses when they when they give them medication. Um, I'm afraid I'm completely paranoid like this. If um, a doctor or a nurse gives me a prescription for something i'll say what is this please what's in it what are the side effects is this necessary and we were taught to do this one of the few things i felt that was actually good about the way we were taught so-called you know personal personal education and all that um we had a teacher who taught us she said you know if you are if you are the patient don't take the doctor's word for it if a doctor says you know you need this you need that make him make him tell you why Get him to explain. It's his job to explain to you what your condition is and why such treatment might be necessary. And you know something, you don't take anything if you don't want to. And she taught us all about consent. Really valuable lesson, that. Um, but you know, these women, they're very, they were very, very frail. And the awful thing is, I wasn't even entirely surprised when I read about the way those nurses behaved because I have come across cases like this before, I swore after working as a student in a nursing home that I would never allow an elderly relative of mine to go into a nursing home. I would never allow it to happen. I make a distinction between a nursing home and, uh, for example, a hospice, because my experience of hospices is, is that they are wonderful places, actually, that, that the nurses are completely uh, completely dedicated. They really were saints, the nurses who looked after my friend in her final days. But when it comes to care of the elderly specifically, 
I am very, very suspicious about the sort of care that a lot of elderly people get. I do think that they are not treated with appropriate dignity. I feel that um, there is a tendency to make decisions on their behalf, assuming that they are not capable of making decisions for themselves. Um, I think they there can be a lot of negligence. So I feel personally, I mean, having seen close up what it can be like, and I will say that the nursing home I worked in, the staff were wonderful. They were, they were very, very caring, very dedicated women. I remember there was an Irish nurse in particular who, who was in charge. She was wonderful, completely dedicated to what she was doing to her, her vocation. But the nursing home was very short staffed. They were greedy. They would they deliberately this is a private nursing home. They kept staff numbers to an absolute minimum to make as much money as possible. And there simply were not enough staff to go round. So elderly people were, despite the best efforts of the staff, were left lying in their own excrement for hours. They were frightened and confused and had no stimulation. They had no one to console them if they were having, you know, an Alzheimer's attack and they, you know, they didn't know whether they got disorientated or whatever. I had to help a woman off the floor because she had a fall because she just got confused. She didn't know where she was and she tripped and fell. She lost her balance and it was only because I happened to be in that part of the building and I heard her crying that I knew there was a problem. She could have been lying on that floor for hours. You know, it really spooked me. Um, if necessary, you know, my father has Parkinson's. He may get to a stage where he becomes too frail uh, to stay in his own home. I would rather have my, my parents living with me or any elderly relative living in my home and have carers come in to look after them to do the heavy work than to have them anywhere where I, where I could not supervise what was happening to them. And this case has only reiterated how I feel. Um, Denise Emma saying, that's why I'm concerned about my upcoming knee replacement surgery. I don't want them to slip in a vaccine that I've refused. Um, Ashley saying, I can understand your fear. Listen, I think... This, this is only my my limited, limited experience. If you are the sort of patient who's prepared to make a fuss, you're much more likely to be left alone. The, the people I think you get taken advantage of are the ones who are very trusting, who just do let doctors and nurses get on with it. It's It tends to be... if. If you come in and you're the sort of patient who says, right, I'm not having this, I'm not having that, um, let me see that consent form, please. They tend to know what they're up against and probably are a little bit worried you might sue them. They're much more likely to leave you alone. I certainly found when I had my first baby, because I was, I mean, I was, I was very young, I didn't know what to expect. I did not question the way the midwife-led team was was behaving, even though every instinct, my every instinct was telling me that something was wrong and they were getting it wrong. I tried really hard to be cooperative. Next time round, I made it very clear how I felt about all sorts of things. And, you know, they were really nice to me. You know, when I made it clear that I had done my research, I knew exactly what was, was and was not going to happen. These were the lines. These were the boundaries. It was a very different story. So 
I would I would advise you don't worry because I think in the end they don't mess people around who they knew they know are not going to be messed around but it shouldn't have to be that way it shouldn't have to be that way that a person should have to be very forceful in a situation like that you should be able to trust your medical team not to go against your wishes um, and I think unfortunately there is quite a discrepancy within medicine, depending on which department you're in. I think geriatric medicine, I've got all sorts of reservations, as I've just said, in, well, reproductive medicine, a lot of liberties are taken, a huge amount of coercion, um, particularly when it comes to things like contraception and abortion. Whereas in other departments like cardiology, for example, I think that there's the doctors are a lot more careful. I mean, I actually asked a cardiologist once because... I was horrified over the years. One of the things that's horrified me the most is the number of women who say they felt coerced into abortion. You know, they went into the they went into the facility in floods of tears, making it very clear they didn't want it, but their boyfriend wanted them to have it, and the staff would just go ahead. And I asked a cardiologist, I said, look, if you had a patient who was absolutely distraught and very resistant to a procedure, an operation, whatever, would you just ignore them and get on with it? He said, of course I wouldn't. I'd be struck off. It would just be—it would be such bad medicine. It would be wrong in every sense of the word. I can't—I I can't even examine someone if they don't want me to. It would be assault, you know. I'd—if it really was necessary, if it was, you know, close to an emergency, I might have to say to them, "Look, I've really got to do something here, or you're going to hemorrhage." But in a, a normal procedure where there is no immediate risk. You know, I try to calm the person down, talk them through, you know, what's the problem? Is there any reason you're very worried about this? Can we maybe at, at, at worst, perhaps even do we need to postpone? Do you not feel able to go through this? But the idea of coercing and manipulating a patient didn't even come close to his his imagination. I don't, I don't think it even occurred to him that it might happen. Um Justin, thank you. Lindsay Sterling and Alexander Jean Song Stong Stampede. Song Stampede. Thank you. Something else for the list. I'm going to have a lot of fun listening through these. Because, um, you know, the thing is, when you're having to listen to music to try to find an appropriate piece, it starts to do your head in after a while. You listen to so many, they all start to sound the same after a while, and your tempers start to flare. So this looks like this might actually be fun. So, yes, uh, it is... Oh, seven minutes past the hour. Sorry, there's me rabbiting away. You are listening to the early show. The what's it? What's it being called? The Gab Fest or the the Chinwag? At uh, the early show, Fiorella de Maria in a now seasonably cold England. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from CrusadeMax.com. And by the way, there's a lovely donate button. Just saying, there's a lovely big donate button in the chat room which you could press. You know, if you if you happen to to have a a free dollar or two. And we have been talking about in no particular order today, National Handbag Day, which Prime Minister, which British British Prime Minister, coined the verb to handbag something as a wanton act of destruction. Margaret Thatcher, of course. Do you have a handbag? Would you like a handbag? Should men have handbags, man purses, or whatever they're now being called? And how do men live without handbags? I'd like to know this, please. It is also Ada Lovelace Day. 
we're talking let's just talk about people in science encouraging science and the importance of science and a grandmother aged 59 was taken to court because she broke a box of eggs yes let me just say that one more time she broke a box of eggs with intent she, she threw them on the floor showing a reckless disregard for the damage she might do to those eggs at the cost of a thousand pounds she was taken to court the magistrate threw out the case on the grounds that he caused more carnage and destruction when he made his breakfast in the morning so i hope Alyssa ash will be all right now and will enjoy many more boiled eggs, fried eggs and omelettes without thinking of her day in court. More seriously, Preston Crown Court in the north of England has convicted two nurses of sedating patients using non-prescription or unprescribed sedatives simply for their own convenience or out of amusement. They drugged elderly patients just to keep them quiet or to have a laugh or to punish them in some way it's a, it was a terrible well it's a terrible abuse of authority and just inhumane it not only should they be in prison and they will be in prison they will be struck off they will never be allowed anywhere near a vulnerable person ever again they are also unlikely to have a very easy time in prison having abused old people you know being nasty to old ladies and putting old ladies' lives at risk, it doesn't look good. It's not a very macho crime. So, yes, I hope they I hope they really have some time in prison to think about what they've done. Um, <laughs> okay, what's this? Oh, my goodness. All this in the chat room. Um, Maggie, men live without handbags because the women carry everything in their handbag. I end up with all my stuff, the kids' stuff, extra stuff that they randomly would find and my husband's stuff. Yes, this is true. This is true. I'm sure there are there are a few bits and pieces of my children's in there. And, of course, then there's a panic. What happened to my phone? What happened to my keys? They're in my handbag. Find them if you can. Philip, what, what is that? That is your bag. Yay. That looks like... Do you know, that's about the size of my little doggy carrier, but I do have a very, very small dog, I should add. That's a, that's a proper that's a proper man purse. I'm not sure I can call that a man purse, actually, Philip, sorry. Um, that's a proper bag. Um, Dr. Torres, um, Seinfeld called it a European man bag because American men don't carry around purses. Philip says, my man purse rides, rides shotgun. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yes, I, I don't. I've never come across a man purse um, in this country. I mean, it, it's supposed to be. I've I've seen references to it on television, but I've never actually known a man carry a bag. Some men, of course, carry carry a rucksack or something or a gym bag, but I've never known a man carry a purse. I mean, men carry wallets, as far as I know. Men have wallets. Women have purses. Does that that sound about right? But again, that doesn't make any sense to me. If men have wallets, what do you do with your coins? It still doesn't make any sense. I, 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 this is one of those, you know, the way yesterday was Mysterious Events Day. I want to know, do men really not carry coins in a wallet? Do they have to carry them around in their pockets? And how then don't they all get lost? Um, Ashley's saying I have a lot of children's items in my purse. Yep. Maggie, yes, the man purse. Um, actually, do you know the only time I've heard, I'm thinking about where have I heard the term man purse? It's actually Raj in... Big Bang Theory has a man purse and there's all 
sorts of connotations associated with that. Maggie said, I would typically have two things in my purse that are actually mine. My wallet and cell phone, everything else was for the kids and my husband. Yep, that sounds about right. Ashley, did you see the cookies I posted earlier, Maggie? I think you'd like them. The, if you haven't seen them, Maggie, take a look. They look so delicious. Remnant 1803, rosary, left pocket, keys, right pocket, wallet, back pocket. What else do I need? Now, is it safe to put a wallet in a back pocket? Can't it get pinched? I can see the artful dodger creeping up behind you. If it's behind, if it's if it's if it's in the pocket behind. Just saying. Um, yes, I forgot to say my rosary is also in my handbag. Sometimes several. Um, Remnant eighteen. Give the coins to the wife. Right, you have just made the point. You've made Maggie's point for her. Exactly. Anything you can't carry goes in your wife's handbag. Therefore, men need something to carry their stuff about. Defender coins just go in the pocket or. The ashtray in the trunk, in the truck. Okay, sorry. Um, yes, I, I have a little, I have a couple of one pound coins, which I keep in my car because you need them for the supermarket trolleys. And I can never find a one pound coin when I need it. So I have one specially there. Yes, Maggie said, I'm sure, I'm sure they sure did. Grandma, punctuation, I sure did. They look delicious. Yes, I was thinking, I sure did they look sure? Did they look delicious? Sure, did, yes. There was an exclamation mark at the end. Sorry, I'm being picky. I sure did. They look delicious. Um, Philip, my wallet, my lunch, and everything else is in my purse. Okay. Dr. Torres, men give all their change to their grandkids, otherwise they're in the pocket. Yes, probably fall out into the sofa cushions on odd days. Um, Tom says, my coins go into my car cup holder. Yes, that's where I put mine in my car. I mean, are cup holders ever used as cup holders? I mean, I, I never use them for that. They're for all sorts of other things. Paul C, old school coin purse. Now, that is interesting. It looks quite small, but I suppose you don't need a huge thing for little coins. Defender, oh, that's how I carry my rosary keys and wallet. I do carry medicine and chapstick with me too. Squeeze that open. Okay, I, I think the only thing is when I see that... Um, I, I do I do think my arthritis might defeat me trying to open something that small. Oh, Maggie's saying I used to have one of those when I was younger. When I was in the brownies, part of your uniform was a little purse attached to the belt around your waist. And you had to have a 10 pence piece in there for making an emergency phone call. I don't think you could make an emergency phone call with just 10 pence now, but that was the idea. It was a money belt. Um, Paul C., I probably had one of those in a box somewhere. This has completely passed me by. I don't think we had these in Britain or ever had them. I've, I don't recognise them at all. Defender, mmm, brownies. Yes, hated being in the brownie guides, but chocolate brownies are perfect. Yes, let's slip effortlessly back into food. Chocolate brownies. Is there anyone on this planet who doesn't like them? Mike, tell me, please, you're not such a contrarian. You don't like brownies. I love brownies. You love brownies. Okay, we agree. There we go. Brownies. Food is a great way to agree on things, isn't it? You could end wars with it. Indeed. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the answer. If I tell you what, if we could get both sides in any conflict to sit round to a nice English tea. <laughs> mm -hmm. A nice pot of tea, a nice pot of Earl Grey hot, uh, and some cucumber sandwiches, and some scones and jam and cream. I think you could probably 
sort out we wouldn't need the un we could just we could just sort out the world's problems that way what do you think uh after we ban man purses no man purses no 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 non-starter must not exist find all of them put them in a pile hit them with some gasoline and light them on fire you have very strong feelings about man purses i agree with maggie the reason men don't have purses is because their wives do so just get whatever you need to have carried. Just give it to her and put it in the put it in the unibag, and uh, all is right with the world. What's wrong with it? It's a great solution. It brings right, husband and so wife together. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so hang on a second. Are you are you saying that, that you know bachelors should not be able to carry coins around? Um. Well, no, I mean, you asked earlier if, if stuff fits in a pocket. If you get in the habit of wearing a, a a waistcoat, that gives you two, three, sometimes even four extra pockets. Well, can I can I just say sorry? Um, people referring to fanny packs in the chat. No. Yes, they definitely have to. No, they definitely have to go. But I'm sorry, fanny means something really rude in British English. And I've got an American <laughs> friend, and she gave my daughter a fanny pack, and I nearly fainted. Um, no fanny packs. Uh, I do have. I I, I don't have a coin purse. But I do have a, uh, a a little bag, a little satchel that mm-hmm. I carry my rosary in. My mm-hmm. one that is double secret probation, blessed. It's been it's a third class relic of the uh, of the True Cross. Has been touched to a relic of the True Cross. Oh, so I would look after that. Oh, I, I I carry it. I don't go anywhere without it. Even if in the middle of the day I change from dress slacks into jeans or whatever, I change. I bring that with me everywhere. Um, so, but I don't have any coins in there with it. I do have a St. Michael medallion coin that's in there, uh, with it, but, uh, you can actually get one of these. You could probably get, um, uh, you could probably, uh, uh, get Ave Maria 472. You probably get Alyssa to make you one. That's where I got mine. She mm-hmm. made, she made it for me and she engraved and she embroidered Walsing and West on it for me. And, oh, uh, lovely. yeah, it's beautiful. No, I, I've been carrying it around for almost two years now. Um, it's, it's no, never the worse for wear and tear. It looks, it's a, it, it, it's a great way to carry your rosary or, or if you wanted to carry change around in it, yeah, you could carry change around in it, but no fanny packs. Well, well you can have a fanny speak. pack. But like Fiorella said, that's a bad word if you're English, mm-hmm. fanny. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we call them bum bags. <laughs> bum bags. <laughs> but, um, it probably also sounds absolutely disgusting in American English, does it? And mm-hmm. I want you to know that I had the greatest dreadful music song queued up for the last uh, this segment in mm-hmm. the history of dreadful music songs. And I couldn't get it to play. I still can't get it to play. So <laughs> your guardian angel has gotten into my iTunes program and has killed Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. Oh, no, that would have been really funny. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> no, because it was perfect for what you were talking about. Yeah. She blinded I, me I, with science. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I, so, I was so excited that I found it. I had it queued up. And it just wouldn't play. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I tell you what, um, I, I find myself just slightly bracing uh, whenever I start the next section. I was wondering what you're up to, what's going to happen. Um, uh, well, uh, I, I try to make it so that, I mean, I, 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 I only look for things that you're talking about. Yeah, of course. So that went, and then for maximum offense. So. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, I had to be like a like a practical joker, like a prankster. 
It's fun. So I am the early show's clown. Oh, there we are. (laughs) Well, someone has to be, don't they? Yes, they do. Absolutely. So, uh, in any event, um, the the book that I read back in the 1980s was a series, actually, that came out uh, from Time Life Books. And mm-hmm. it was um, it was all of it was about the history of computing, and uh, there was a, there was an entire very detailed chapter on Charles Babbage and the Babbage analytical mm-hmm. engine. Because you know he started building that thing, and he he, was, he wanted it to like be on like a desktop computer. And then the yeah. more keys he added, he went, well, I'm going to have to make it bigger. <laughs> then it filled up a room. And then he goes, well, it still doesn't do everything I want it to do. So then he moved it into an empty warehouse, and he filled a warehouse up with it. It still didn't do everything he wanted it to do. Um, but basically, uh, Babbage was the, the analytical en- engine. Do you know anything about, uh, about how computers, how a microprocessor, how, how the processor actually works? Uh, no. <laughs> There's only three functions. And if you can remember right. this, it, it makes total sense, which is why they call it Boolean logic. There's if and or. So if 2 plus 2 is 4 and 10 is a starting number, then uh, it, it's a series of gates. And that's what Babbage was was designing, where these gates, where the gate would turn off and on. It wasn't until Bull came along when George Boole came along, and that's how you get Boolean logic. So Boolean mm-hmm. logic, there's only two answers, and, and that's how you get binary code. So binary codes, it drives all the digital devices that we have, ones and zeros. You can actually spell your name. You can spell Fiorella in binary. Uh, look it mm-hmm. up. Google it, you can, you can, and you'll figure out how many ones and zeros it takes to spell Fiorella. It's uh, fascinating how it works, but it mm-hmm. is purely, I mean, when, 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 when you start digging into it, it's purely logical, and I mean practical logic. I, I, I don't mean deductive reasoning or thing. It's purely just logical. It's if and or one zero one zero. It's all it is, and a combination of that. So um, I'd never heard of that woman that you brought up, though. Ada, what was her name? Lovelace. Yeah, she wrote. She wrote the first program for that computer, and it worked. Yeah. Well, because I, I was reading at the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica about it, and uh, apparently she sent it to Babbage, and Babbage plugged it in and went, "Yeah, it works." <laughs> mm-hmm. But she was trying to calculate. She was trying to calculate very uh, complicated formulas. Did, do, do you know what she what, what what her formula was for? No. She was working with Bernoulli. <laughs> she was she was trying to she was doing Bernoulli. Uh, oh, that's uh, how you say it. I was I was avoiding saying it because I wasn't sure how to pronounce okay. it. So, so do you know what Bernoulli's contribution to science was? No, I'm not a nerd. This is the problem. Oh, okay. Well, I'll play nerd. So Bernoulli okay. is... Uh, uh, you ever wondered how a 500, uh, 5 million pound made out of iron ore steel structure ship floats? I can't say I'd given it a lot of thought, but it's kind of interesting. But, but when you look at it, you go like, but that's just, it's metal. If you take a piece of iron and throw it in the water, what happens? It sinks. Yes. But if you shape it a certain way, then what happens? So it's it Ber- floats, Bernoulli yeah. came up with the theory with the, the theory of displacement. Uh-huh, so it's yes. all in this shape. So that you want to dis- disperse the water around the, uh, the boat, if you will. 
and then uh, use a Bernoullian calculation. You can figure out how tall you need to make the sides and how flat mm-hmm. the, the bottom. It's, it's fascinating stuff for science nerds. <laughs> so she was trying to figure, she she wanted, rather than have to sit there and, and calculate out Bernoullian uh, logic on, on making ships or whatever she was making, she was mm-hmm. trying to figure, she was trying to give it to Babbage so that she could just say, okay, it's 100 feet by 25, how how tall to make it, to see if the analytical engine would crank mm-hmm. out the Bernoulli, the, the dimensions per Bernoulli. So uh, right. it's early show nerd, it, you should, we should just have nerd day. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe one day a week I can have you on a little bit early and we can just talk well, about... Well, it's food day every day. It's food day every day. I make no apology for that. So what was the big food item? Angel food cake today? Is it angel food? Yes. Now, yep. And Maggie, why did you bring up mullets to me? Is it mullet day? Mullet day? Oh, it was a mullet festival. Do you know what, do you know what a mullet is? It's a fish. No. no. Well, no, it is. No, it is. It is. It is a fish. You don't eat mullet, do you? No. Okay, don't eat a mullet. Mullet here in Louisiana, we use, we catch mullet, and you put a mullet on the end of a line to catch garfish. Uh, right. So it's a trash fish. Uh, okay. No, a mullet is a haircut. Oh, not those the, 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 like like nineteen seventies thing. Well, uh, yes, yes. Long in the back, short on the sides. Ghastly. It's it's it is it, it's it's. It's what you would say. It's it's a positively dreadful haircut. <laughs> if your son or your husband came home with a mullet, you would kick them out, or you or you'd sit and you'd strap them down in a chair and you'd get clippers out and you yeah. would shave them. You would just shave them bald. Yeah, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Justin says business up front. In back. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like you're clean cut. From the front, yeah. a mullet, mm. but then it goes halfway down your back. <laughs> I, actually, that's more of an 80s thing, wasn't it, mullets? So uh, there was some abomination that came our way about that time. Isn't it interesting that we have d- decades that are defined by hairstyles? Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. And, so yeah. in, the, in the 60s, you just had just, just unkempt, greasy, long hair, right? Yeah. And then the 70s, there you go, Maggie found a picture of a mullet. That's a mullet. That's a world championship ah. mullet there. <laughs> so, it's just horrible. In the 70s, yeah. you had, so what'd you have in the 70s? The perm? Or was the mullet no, no, in the um, 70s? 80s, 80s was the perm, the big perm, but also the long fringes. Okay, so I guess I also, the, the yeah. Southern American rock bands popularized the mullet. And then in the 80s, you had the perm. So what do we have in the 90s? Was the kind Croydon of the, haircut. Was, no, 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 the Croydon facelift. Was that was that vanilla ice? Was that the spiked was, hair, the was, max headroom hair? And it, it was having you know, a high ponytail, really stretched back tight, really <laughs> pulling back. But um, apparently, it's really bad for your hair, and it did make make a person's face look really stretched, really ugly, really ugly haircut. Well, now they have uh, the, the last decade has been measured for men by the man bun. That I don't get at all, mind if, you. I don't really get beards at all. I'm afraid. If your son ever comes home with a man bun, just make it. Just t- tell him no. He, he, no. Tell him you're going to disown him <laughs> if yeah, he so. ever comes in the house with a man bun again. It's uh, not going to happen. No, it's <laughs> curtains. What do you mean you don't get beard? Our Lord had a beard. 
Well, I remember being here a man saying that his father used to say a young man with a beard has either got something to hide or something to prove. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not young. I'm old. Okay, that's all right then. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever anyone and it hasn't happened very often says something about beards, I always go like, "Jesus had a beard." <laughs> you uh, you want to you want to go tell Jesus that he had the wrong uh, he had the wrong facial hairstyle? Maybe be my guest, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I have this feeling that of all the things you could disagree with Jesus about, it probably the beard would not be a problem. The hair would not be one of them. No, it just, <laughs> I, I don't feel this would be a cause of theological contention. <laughs> now, um, I am leaving for the St. Benedict Center tomorrow afternoon, so uh, I will not be with, uh, with you. Uh, well, Thursday will be Joe Clovis or, or the uh, South Africans. No, 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 the South Africans. Yeah. So I won't be with you Friday, the following Monday, or Tuesday. Okay. So yes, so I'm no spending. Yes, I'm spending uh, two days with uh, daughter number two. Um, oh, uh, she lives okay. in Boston, and uh, that's where we fly into to go to the conference. So uh, I will take advantage of that. But you'll be. Uh, I'm sure you'll be in good hands. Maggie will. will Maggie and Justin will, will will run the show, and everything will be fine. But you won't have any anyone to cross talk with, unless any oh. of the five people that I invited to be guest hosts. Finally, well, who, say who's yes. Going to be, who's going to be guest hosting? There's no one because oh, I, I couldn't get anyone. Oh, I see. Well, maybe someone will. Someone will say yes. Well, it could be you. <laughs> is this a look? Is this a colossal hint? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to do an hour or two, you could just extend the uh, the uh, the hour. But that's uh, that's up to you. Maybe you could round up a couple of guests so it wouldn't be all on you. Well, let me have a think about it. What was it, Friday and next week? Friday, next Monday, week? and Tuesday, any one of those days. I'm sure the audience would love to have you. Well, let, let me um, get my thinking cap on. Uh, yes, please do. And uh, uh, au revoir, madame. Uh, a bientot. Au revoir. Or, or, no, au revoir, madame. Uh, à demain. No, no. Uh, à, de, um, à demain. I'll see you tomorrow, right? Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's Later Wednesday. Today. Tomorrow's Wednesday. L Later today. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, au revoir, madame. A bientôt. It is half past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Our call and telephone number is 844-527-8723. And the chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. 